All right. Hey, everybody. I am so glad that you are here with us today. Whatever amazing campus you're at right now, Denton, Flower Mound, Louisville, the venue and extension site, or watching online somewhere in the world. Come on, let's just celebrate each other together today. We are so glad that you are here with us. God is doing some great things in this season, and we are just two weeks away from Easter. You've heard the announcements. You've heard your campus pastor encourage you to invite somebody. And so now let me give you it three times around. It's Easter. And people are open and receptive to the hope of Jesus. And so my encouragement to you is take those invite cards, ask God who he wants you to invite because there's something about this season that supernaturally moves in people's hearts and lives, that they're open to the hope of Jesus. And so my challenge to you would be, what if this Easter, your Easter plans are not built around your pictures, your family events, your meals, the, the clothes you want to wear, all that kind of stuff. What if Easter was built around coming to a service with someone who needs Jesus? That would be the best Easter you can have. In fact, the greatest way we honor the father is by helping bring his lost children home. And one of the greatest things you can do for your journey with Jesus is get involved with helping someone else find him. It will turn something on inside of you. If you've drifted, if you've gotten dull, if you've become apathetic, if you're questioning, man, does this feel irrelevant to my life today? Go find someone who's lost, bring them to an Easter service. You'd be amazed at how it catalyzes something in you because that mission and that purpose that we were created for comes alive. See, when we say we want to be a movement of hope, this is kind of stuff that we're talking about. It's about being a hope carrier and stepping across a room and offering someone hope and saying, come on, I'm going to use my social media. I'm going to use my time. I'm going to use my influence. I'm going to use my relationships. I'm going to use everything I got because I am grateful for what Jesus did for me. I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of salvation for all who believe. And I want the world to know about the goodness and the grace of Jesus. Okay. So two weeks away, it's literally the biggest thing we do all year long. So man, we've got all kinds of energy and effort into it. Bring somebody here with you. Next week, we're going to prepare for Easter together with a special service on Palm Sunday, getting ready for what Jesus did and what he wants to do in our lives and in the lives of all the people that are going to come for Easter. And what I want to do today is wrap up a series that we've been in called Blind Spots. For the last few weeks, we've been talking about how what is so easy to see in other people is so hard to see in ourselves, but we've all got them. We've all got blind spots and they're hurting us. They're impacting our relationships. They're keeping us from moving forward in life. They prevent us from new opportunities and they cause us to live an inferior life to the one that Jesus gave us. You see, we've defined it and we said a blind spot is any area of brokenness that is obvious to others, but it's hidden to ourselves. It's any broken area in your life or my life that is so easy for everyone else to see, but it is so hard for us to see it in ourselves. It could be things like pride, narcissism, selfishness, greed, over-talking, drama, complaining, negativity. I mean, you name it, there's an endless list of blind spots. And if you're in relationship with anybody, you know that list grows longer every single day. I mean, it's full of blind spots. And we've been talking about Matthew 7, this kind of main passage for this series when Jesus says, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye 
when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log or the blind spot in your own eye? You hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. And we've said, if we would just take these three verses and apply them to our lives, our relationships, our opportunities, our whole life would be dramatically different. The problem is, is we get so focused on everybody else's brokenness that we forget the grace that Jesus offers for our brokenness. And what Jesus is telling us is that every one of us has a blind spot in our life and he likens it to a log in our eye. He basically says a blind spot is like having a giant log sticking out of your face. And if you lived your life with a giant log sticking out of your face, everywhere you go, all the people you interact with have to duck it, dodge it, dip it, move around it because you'll keep knocking them down. And so what Jesus is really telling us in this passage is he's telling us the unintended consequence of blind spots is that we drive everyone we love right out of our lives. That's what he's really trying to get at. He's saying, hey, you don't realize what a big deal this is. You think it's no big deal. What I'm trying to tell you, Jesus is saying is, hey, the unintended consequence of blind spots is you'll drive those people you love right out because eventually they get tired of being knocked down. And so they don't leave your, your life, but they back way up to create a lot of space of that log, the blind spot that's sticking out of your face. And they say, I'm not leaving this marriage, but I got to create some distance here because I'm tired of getting knocked down by your anger. Or I'm not leaving this family, but I got to back way up because this drama, it's just overwhelming. It keeps knocking me down. And we said that if you just look at the landscape of your relationships, and if you wonder why they feel like they're always chaotic or in shambles, could it just be that you're knocking the very people you love down with a blind spot that you're not even aware that you have? And then last week, we kind of talked about how we, we all have these patterns, these loops, these repeats, these areas of brokenness that seem to just replay in our life. And if we look over the course of our life, we can see that almost every opportunity, every relationship, every job, every situation, every church that we've been in, it often ends the same way because we have a blind spot that we don't see that knocks people down. And so we said last week, if you have a problem with everybody, you might be the problem. If everything in your life feels like it's always getting knocked down, you might be the one that's knocking it down. And I know some of you are like, I haven't liked this series very much. <laughs> I understand. But what we're trying to talk about is an unwillingness to deal with those blind spots leads to an inability to move forward in life. And so all we're doing is John 8. We're trying to get to know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus wants to show you the truth of your life and what he has come to do. He wants to free you. And this is what it means to be a disciple. And this is why Jesus says, come and follow me. A disciple is simply a learner. It's one who's becoming like. A disciple is someone who is on a journey of bringing all the areas of their life into submission and surrender to the lordship of Jesus. Bringing all the broken areas of their life into confirmation or being conformed to the image and likeness of Jesus. And that's what we've been talking about. And I'm proud of you for leaning into that space and saying, Lord, I, I don't know that I like what we're talking about, but I don't want that log thing sticking out of my face anymore. Because we want to be free. And what's amazing is not only do you have blind spots, the people in your life, they have them too. Some of you are like, 
now we're getting somewhere. I mean, look at what Jesus has to say. He says, first get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will be able to see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. What Jesus is flat out saying is he's saying, not only do you have blind spots, the people you love, they have blind spots too. And some of you are here and you've been getting knocked down by the blind spots in the people in your life. Some of you are here and you're, you're literally to that place where you've pulled so far away because that pride of your spouse, that anger of your friend, that selfishness of your parent, that issue of your boss, whatever it is, it's been knocking you down and you're tired of it. And you've backed way away and you're not even sure, like, what on earth do I even do with that? Well, Jesus tells us. He says, we actually have, no, we actually have a, go back. We actually have a responsibility to deal with that speck in their eye. That we have been called by God to remove the blind spots out of their eyes. Parents, you've been called by God as part of your purpose is to remove the speck out of your children's eyes. Husbands and wife, part of your calling is to remove the speck out of your spouse's eye. Friends, part of your calling is to remove the speck out of the, the blind spot in your friend's eye. Hope carriers, part of our job is to remove the speck out of the world's eye. And so what is that? It's called discipleship. Matthew 28, therefore go and make disciples. Go and help other people come into submission and surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. Help them bring the blind spots out of the darkness into the light. That's what we're actually called to do. And yet, how many of you know it's a whole lot harder than it sounds? Come on, listen, I love this verse. Look what Jesus says, go to the next one. This is Jesus talking about blind spots. He says, the prophecy of Isaiah describes them perfectly. See if this describes some people in your life. Although they listen carefully to everything I speak, they don't understand a thing I say. They look and pretend to see, but the eyes of their hearts are closed. Their minds are dull and slow to perceive. Their ears are plugged and are hard of hearing, and they have deliberately shut their eyes to the truth. Do not look at the person that you came with right now. Okay. Does that describe some people in your life? It's like you're constantly pointing truth out to them, constantly trying to help them, constantly trying to show them, and it's like they just don't get it. Jesus knows exactly how that frustration feels because that's how he often feels with us. Hey, I'm telling you all this stuff. Why don't, why don't you want to see it or, or hear it or deal with it? It's the same reason they don't want to deal with the things that we say but we're actually called and anointed to it. This is why in Galatians six, we don't have to be discouraged. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, a blind spot, they're missing the mark. You who are spiritual, you who are living in the kingdom of light should restore him gently. So how do we actually do it? How do we deal with the blind spots in others when they can't see them in themselves? Five things for you. This is the one that some of you have been like, I've been waiting for this to fix my spouse. Okay, we're gonna get there. Okay, you with me on that? How do you deal with the blind spots in others? Because God has actually called you to be someone to deal with it. First thing is this, you got to deal with your blind spots. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Luke 6 says this, you must acknowledge your own blind spots and deal with them before you will be able to deal with the blind spot of your friend. Jesus gives us an order and in the kingdom of God, order always matters. 
The order is deal with your blind spot and then you'll be able to deal with their blind spot. You got to deal with what's going on in your life before we can be worried about what's going on in anyone else's life. This is why in verse 39, Jesus says, can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? He's saying, hey, if a blind guy is trying to lead a blind guy, they're stumbling around in the dark. But if one of them can see, now he can help his friend. You see, what Jesus is trying to tell us is he's trying to say, hey, you got to get really good at dealing with your blind spots and then you'll be really good at dealing with their blind spots. Because the more clearly you see Jesus, the more clearly you see everything else. We got to get really good at receiving the grace of God because then we can get really good at releasing the grace of God into the world around us. I mean, over the last few weeks, we've been saying you got to listen to healthy, godly people. So you got to become a healthy, godly person if you want anyone else to listen to you about getting rid of the blind spots in their lives. The order matters here. You got to deal with your junk and then we can deal with their junk. And it's interesting because Jesus says a log and a speck. Here's what I want you to understand. Every speck will become a log if it's not dealt with. Every log is an undealt with speck. So deal with it when it's small, before it grows into something you don't want it to be. Come on, we got to deal with this stuff. See, here's what I think our problem is, is I think our problem is, is we overemphasize their brokenness and underemphasize our brokenness. We maximize what's wrong with them and we minimize what's wrong with us. We're like, yeah, I know I do that, but they do this. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, so what is Jesus saying when he's saying, deal with the log in your eye and the speck in their eye? Is he saying like, hey, you got a log and they got, their thing doesn't really matter. No, what Jesus is saying is he's saying, you should be 10 times more concerned about the brokenness in your life than you are about the brokenness in their life. Because when you get the brokenness in your life resolved, you'll be able to help the brokenness in their life be set free. And what does that require? Humility. Listen, when I am aware of the brokenness in my own life, I become so much more gracious to the brokenness in the lives of the people around me. When I'm aware of my own logs and the ways I'm unintentionally knocking down people I love, all of a sudden I got a lot more grace to offer the people that knock me down. But when I think mine isn't really a big deal, I don't have a lot of grace or a lot of compassion for the brokenness in the people around me. So I come at them with a harshness or with a pride or with a, a brokenness in my own self coming at them and attacking them. And I bet the same is true for you. See, only people who walk in the light can help others walk in the light. That's what Jesus is saying. So the question is this, are you dealing with your blind spots? This doesn't mean, are you perfect? This doesn't mean, do you have gotten rid of it? It means, are you on a journey with Jesus of constantly removing them? If the answer is no, stop. Do not pass go, do not collect $200 and do not tell anybody else about the blind spot in their life. Because if you do, you're gonna hurt them. You're gonna come in with your log and it's gonna be like a jousting match. <laughs> you gotta get rid of this thing so you can get in close enough to be able to deal what's broken in their life. We can't get in close enough to the people we love to deal with their blind spots because our blind spots are keeping a distance. Are you with me on that? So deal with it. Second thing is this, 
Don't try to fix them. Help, try to free them. Don't try to fix them. Help free them. And you say, what's the difference? Oh, that's a big difference. Trying to fix them is about what's good for you. Trying to free them is about what's good for them. Trying to fix them is you are frustrated that they keep knocking you down. Trying to free them is you're heartbroken that they're living an inferior life to the one God created for them. So are you trying to fix them or free them? Are you frustrated they're knocking you down or are you sad and compassionate over the areas of brokenness they don't see? Like, like, come on, how many of you in this room are a firstborn? Raise your hand. Come on, if you're a firstborn, raise your hand. Look at all of us. We are good at fixing things, aren't we? If you're a firstborn, you know, kind of like me, like we're really good. Like everything has a little place and it needs to go into his place. And we tell all of the other children that came after us how they should be living their lives. Like, like I am really good at fixing things and trying to fix people. And I'll never forget one time I was trying to fix my wife with something. And, uh, and as, and as I was trying to fix her, she looked at me and she said, thank you, Holy Spirit. Okay, that's a good lesson for me because we're not the Holy Spirit and motive matters. If your motive is to fix them, you're already wrong. If your motive is to free them, you're on the right path. So why first Corinthians says this, nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. Is this conversation, is this moment, is this dialogue going to be good for you or is it going to be good for them? I mean, just think of how Jesus did this with his disciples. If anybody could have been frustrated about people knocking stuff down with their blind spots is Jesus. He's got these 12 guys with giant blind spots and they're knocking everything down. They're knocking the crowds down. They're knocking Jesus's miracles down. They're knocking his teaching down. They're trying to knock his purpose down. They're knocking each other down. If I'm Jesus, I'm like, stop it. Stop it now. I'm going to fix you. But he didn't do that. Why? Because Jesus didn't come to this earth to fix the frustrating. He came to this earth to free the captives. And that's really different. So we got to move past our frustration if we actually want to help them be free. Listen, in my life, when I try to fix people, it's always a disaster. Why? Because my motive is wrong. I'm frustrated that they keep whacking me with their junk. So I'm going to fix it. But when I go into it wanting to free them, it's so different. I mean, I mean, do you remember the, the story when Jesus tries to go to Samaria and the Samaritans don't want him? And John and James, they look at Jesus and they're like, Jesus, should we fix it? In other words, they say, Jesus, would you like us to call down fire from heaven and smoke that village? Because we'll fix it. Jesus rebukes him and says, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save the world. Come on, how many times do we want to fix people with fire from heaven when they knock us with their junk? We have not been called to the ministry of condemnation. We've been called to the ministry of grace. We're not here to condemn people. We're here to release the grace of God so they can be set free. Like, hear me, the law is not a weapon to fix people. It's a tool to free people. The law of God, right, wrong, good, bad, God's commands. I think we're real quick to try to fix people. Hey, hey, this is the box. Get inside of it. That's a weapon. 
The law is a tool to expose our need to Jesus so we can say, he's here to set you free. Come on, you remember the story of blind Bartimaeus? They're all walking along, blind man on the side of the road calls out to Jesus. Jesus is just a few feet away from the guy and he looks at the disciples and he says, you call him to me. You couldn't just walk to him yourself? No, you call him to me. Get up, man. Jesus is calling you. And they bring him to Jesus. And he opens his eyes. That's what we're supposed to do because we can't free anyone anyways. We're supposed to live our lives in such a way that we're pointing people to Jesus, the light of the world that opens up their eyes and sets them free. So are you trying to fix the people in your life? Or are you trying to free them? Third thing is simply this. Pray for them more than you preach at them. You're like, I like last week's message better. Okay, think about this for a second. Every person in this room is a really good preacher. You're like, no, no, I, I couldn't give up, get up and do a sermon. I'm not talking about giving a sermon. I'm talking about we're all really good preachers. We're all really good at looking at the people in our life and telling them what's wrong and that, how to get their stuff straight. Okay. We need to be really good prayers. Like every time you want to preach at somebody for the blind spot in their life, stop and ask yourself the question, have I prayed for them first? It should almost be a one to 10 ratio for every one thing you want to say about their blind spot. You should have prayed for them 10 times the amount. That's good, man. Why? Because five minutes of prayer can do more than five years of your preaching. Look at Mark 10 says this. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe you have received it and it will be yours. Here's a question. If you've been being knocked down by the blind spot of the people in your life, have you prayed for them? Have you ever prayed that God would remove that blind spot? Because this tells us whatever we ask for, we'll receive it. No. Go back. We'll receive it if we pray for it. So have we asked God to remove their blind spots? I mean, just think of Jesus. Now you can go to the next one. It says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. You know what Jesus did? He would go away and the little bits we get to see about what he actually prayed about, he prayed about the blind spots of his disciples. If Jesus was praying for the blind spot of Peter, how much more should we be praying for the blind spot of the people we love? Because here's what happens. When you start praying for people, you get God's perspective. You get God's view of them. You get his compassion, his grace, his mercy. You start to understand what's up in their life and, and why it's happening. And I'll tell you this, it's really call, hard to call down fire from heaven when you're praying for them. It's really hard to be asking the Lord to remove the blind spot and then two seconds later be like, ministry of condemnation, bam! It's really hard to do that. And here's what's amazing. When you start praying for people for their blind spots to be removed, you know what ends up happening? God is going to send someone in their life to remove the blind spot. It's probably not going to be you. Which means every parent in this room, it's like you told your kid 9,000 times, this is, this is what should happen. And then they go and they find one friend who tells them once and then they think it's the greatest idea ever. <laughs> right? There we go. It's like the classic life of a preacher. I live in that cycle, man. It's like, oh, I'm glad. I've been telling you that for 10 years. I'm glad you heard that once on the radio and think it's true, you know, kind of thing, right? 
But we got to be humble enough to say, I don't care how it gets out. I just want it out. I mean, you remember the story of Elijah? Elijah and his servant are in the city and here comes this big enemy to kill Elijah. And they line up all night long, all the way around the city. And in the morning, Elijah's servant wakes up. He goes out as far as he can see. It's just this enemy there to get them. And he panics and he gets Elijah. He says, Elijah, wake up. They're, they're here to get us. And Elijah wakes up and he looks out and he says, ah, oh, don't worry. There's more that are for us than are against us. And the guy looks at Elijah. He says, what? You have no idea what you're talking about. Look out there. And I love it. Elijah doesn't rebuke him, doesn't shame him, doesn't condemn him, doesn't pop the log in the guy's face, nothing. He says, Lord, open his eyes. Exact words. Guy's eyes are open and he can see the horses and chariots of fire outnumbering the enemy as far as they can see. Just like that, the blind spot's gone because Elijah prayed one simple prayer. So are you praying for them? more than you're preaching at them, okay? Fourth thing is simply this, walk with the Holy Spirit and with them. Walk with the Holy Spirit and with them. Listen, the Holy Spirit is the ultimate blind spot remover. He will tell you what to say, when to say it, how to say it. He'll say, this is a good moment, lean in. He'll say, they can't handle it today, back out. He will tell you what you need to know. This is why it tells us in Galatians 5, let us live in the spirit and let us also walk in the spirit. Let us live moving with him moment by moment, step by step. Because guess what? If you're walking with him, the fruit of the spirit is growing in your life. And I would just submit to you that you need a lot of the fruit of the spirit to get rid of the blind spots and the people you love. You need a lot of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. Self-control. That's how it comes out. So we got to walk with him and we got to walk with them. See, here's where I think we miss it. Blind spots only come out through relationships. They don't come out in drive-bys. They don't come out by yelling. They don't come out by preaching. They, They come out in relationships. And the more secure someone feels in their relationship with you, the more likely they are to listen to what you have to say. This is why godly relationships are God's pathway to freedom. And it's really easy to point out what's wrong with them. It's really hard to walk forward with them. Again, think of Jesus. Jesus didn't sit there and line up the disciples and say, okay, Peter, you got the blind spot of insecurity. John, you got the blind spot of anger. Matthew, you, you just selfish, bro. You're like greedy. Okay, now I told you all what's wrong. Now go fix it and come back and we can be friends. Jesus said, hey, this is your blind spot. This is your blind spot. This is your blind spot. Let's go walk through life together. And it's going to come out along the way. And what the Holy Spirit will do is as they're swinging it around and knocking people down, knocking you down, he will give you wisdom on when to kind of Kind of grab it and gently walk your way in to get right to him and say, hey, let's deal with this because God wants to set you free and I'm not going anywhere. Let's do this together. And the closer you get, the more they're swinging and you might get knocked down. Because when people are coming out of darkness into light, it's disorienting. But this is where love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers judgment, condemns. 
And if we're really serious about setting people free, we got to walk with them. Because come on, the Holy Spirit hasn't given up on them yet, so why are you? And guess what? If I'm actually walking with the Holy Spirit, I can't help but walk with them because the Holy Spirit's walking with them too. So I don't really get a choice if I want to walk with him. This is why Philippians 1, 6 It says, being confident of this, that he who began a work, good work, and you will carry it on to completion. Guess what? The good work he began in you, he'll finish. And the good work he began in them, he's going to finish. So let's walk with him. And let's walk with the Holy Spirit. So are you walking with him? Are you actually saying, I'm in this relationship? I'm not giving you a drive-by. I'm here. Let's do this together. And the last thing is this, speak life. If you actually want it to come out, you got to speak life. Ephesians 4, 29 says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for the building of others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. He says, hey, if you're really going to help blind spots come out, you got to speak life. You can't be negative and condemning and critical and judgmental. It's got to benefit the people who hear it. This is why Ephesians 4, 15 says, instead speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him. If there is no love, do not speak truth. If there is no love, just be done. Zip it. Got to speak the truth in love. But the other interesting thing is, if there is no truth, you have to question, is there really love? It's really easy to get, don't speak the truth without love, but we forget that love always meets the needs of the other person and love will speak the truth so we can grow up into all things that God has created us to be. This is called believe the best and hold people to their best. We think that's mean. That's called love. And many of us have never been loved that way in our lives. Hear me. Don't attack. Don't condemn. Don't use words like always and never. Instantly, you've lost the battle the moment always and never comes out. Just back out. Boop, 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 because it's done. Because now they're going to pick the one time they didn't do it. And you're like, okay, but you do it 98% of the time. But that's not always nor never. Don't define them by their blind spot. It's not their identity. And how you see them will determine how you treat them. If you look at them and think they're a failure, you'll treat them like a failure. If you see them as a frustration, you're going to treat them like a frustration. If you see them as unchangeable, you will treat them like they are unchangeable. Come on. You've got to see them as beloved sons and daughters on a journey of freedom. And what you have to change your perspective is you've got to see who they can be in the midst of how they're behaving. Very different. This is why Proverbs 18.21 It says the tongue has the power of life and death. Every word you choose in pointing out blind spots, it's coming life or death. There is no in between. It's either coming out of the tree of life, which is the tree of grace and light and vision and hope and Jesus, or it's coming out of the tree of death, destruction, darkness, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right, wrong, good, bad, should, shouldn't, can, can't. And you get the choice. So here's like really practical. Use the encouragement sandwich, man piece of bread of encouragement, a little bit of meat of truth, and some more encouragement to just kind of pap them on the way out. Right? Hey, you're an amazing dad. 
Sometimes you don't realize how your anger impacts the kids, but man, you love our kids so well. Hey, you're such a great friend. I love being around you. Sometimes you don't realize how dramatic you may be, but I'm so grateful that we're on this journey together. You catch me on this? Like ask questions, don't make declarations. Like just these simple little things. Like you can just say this, like, are you aware? Have you noticed? Do you realize that sometimes? <laughs> do you ever wonder why it seems like? like this is, I, this, it like pains me to have to go to this level. Some of you have no idea how much this pains me to go here, but some of us, this is literally what you need. You literally need to be able to be like, hey, honey, are you aware that when you come home with that kind of anger, the kids go and hide in their room? Hey, have you noticed, friend, that, that man, in a lot of the conversations we have, you, you usually bring it back to you. Hey, do you realize that sometimes your selfishness just kind of pushes the rest of us away? Did you ever wonder why it seems like those last three jobs, those last three friends, those last three situations all seem to end the same way? Ask it as a question. Treat them the way you would want to hear it. Because this, this is like the real stuff now. And here's what you got to do. You got to risk the relationship. Now, see if you can track with me for a second. You got to risk the relationship because if you say something they don't like, you're risking the relationship. I would ask you the question, is it a real relationship if you can't actually speak the truth and love back and forth? You got to think about that. And if you say, well, I, I don't want to tell them their blind spot, what you're saying is I don't love you enough to help you be your best. You're literally saying, I'm okay with you damaging your relationships, living an inferior life to the one Jesus has for you, repeating the same mistakes. I literally don't love you enough to, to help you become your best because I'm afraid of how this conversation will go. And if you don't confront their blind spots along the way, you will either explode at them or give up on them. If you don't deal with it along the way, you're going to explode at them at some point or you're going to just give up on them. Neither of those are good. You've got to risk the relationship. I mean, your job is to speak the truth in love. Their job is to receive and respond. And, and the reason we don't is because we're insecure. We're so insecure. We're so afraid of rejection that I don't actually want to tell you a blind spot in your life that I can see that's clearly hurting you and everybody else because I'm afraid you're going to reject me. So insecurity causes me to hold back the very truth that will set you free. Are, are you catching this? Insecurity. I'm insecure. I don't know how you're going to respond. So I'm going to keep the truth that Jesus has armed me with. And I love you so much, but I'm so afraid of how you'll respond that I'm going to hold it back. The very thing that would set you free. Fear of people imprisons the very people we love and we want them to be free. And if you're sitting here and you're thinking, man, well, but what do I do? Listen, just sometimes you can share a blind spot with them and then say, hey, just ask God what he would say about it. Just take it to God. Moses, listen, Moses has this giant blind spot. Giant It's going to keep him from his destiny. And Jethro, his father-in-law shows up. How many of you would agree a father-in-law is not necessarily the best blind spot pointer outer? 
And he comes to Moses and he asks, he sees the blind spot, says when he saw it, it was clear to Jethro. And he asks Moses two questions about the blind spot, completely exposes it, gives Moses some wisdom and then says, hey, Moses, why don't you just ask God about it? Genius. And he backs away. Moses asks God the very next verse as Moses saw the blind spot, got rid of it and stepped into his destiny and kept moving forward. And some of you are here and you're like, you have no idea how long I've tried in this person in my life. The very last verse that Jesus uses, this is the Matthew 7, in his thing about the, the log and the speck. This is the last verse. And I don't have a lot of time for this, but here's what Jesus says. The very, he finishes the log and the speck thing. This is the next thing. He says, Who would hang earrings on a dog's ear or throw pearls in front of wild pigs? They'll only trample them under their feet and then turn around and tear you to pieces. You say, what does that mean? <laughs> what it means is, Jesus is saying sometimes, when you're walking with God, you know they're so unreceptive to truth that if you try to point out their blind spot, they're gonna turn around, trample it, and tear you to pieces. And some of you are like, that's my life. So what do you do? You love them. Because guess what, Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. You've been touched by Jesus, the light of the world. He says, you now are the light of the world. So just your very presence in their life brings light to their darkness. It may not be a verbal, you've got this, I'm going to pull it out. They may want nothing to do with that. Just you being in their life as the light of the world. Jesus says, this is what he's saying about you. You are the light of the world, brings light to their darkness that they might see. So don't give up. Don't give up. Let me close with this. One day Jesus is walking along and there's a blind man and he calls out to Jesus and Jesus comes and he, and he touches the blind man to see, to give him sight. When he touches him, it says, open your eyes. He says, can you see anything? And the man looks at Jesus and he says, well, I, I can't see really, I can see better than I could, but, but I can't see really clearly. I see trees and the people walking around and they look like trees. So what he's saying is I, I can't really see much. I, it helped, but it wasn't enough. So Jesus reaches out his hand a second time and touches him a second time. And the second time he touches, it says his eyes were opened up and he could clearly see. It's the only place that Jesus ever has to touch somebody twice. And you look at that and you say, is that an indictment on Jesus? Like, was he not really like, did he just not have it that day? Like, was it a just bad day? You know, had some, 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 some stuff going on? I, I don't know. No, it's not an indictment on Jesus. It's showing us how blind we really are. That it often takes more than one touch from Jesus to open our eyes. And so keep touching them. If Jesus had to touch that guy twice so his eyes would be open, you might have to touch that person in your life again and again. Keep touching them with the love of God. Keep touching them with the grace of God. Keep touching them with the hope of God. Keep touching them with the compassion of God. Keep touching them with the kindness of God. Don't give up. Keep touching them again and again and again because eventually the light will overtake the dark. This is why Jesus says, next verse, this next verse. This is why Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me for recovery of sight for the blind. Guess what? Jesus said, as the father has sent me, so I send you. You are now anointed to bring sight to the blind, to remove the blind spots of the people in your life. When you deal with your log, you can go help them with their speck and live the fullness of the life that God has for you 
and for them. Come on. This is called being kingdom people. This is called living in light. There is no pattern, no loop, no repeat, no blindness, no blind spot, no junk, no brokenness in your life or in their life that is beyond the healing touch of Jesus. He opens blind eyes. He opens blind eyes and he wants to do it through us. When we choose to have the humility to let him open our eyes first. So close your eyes. What do you think the Holy Spirit wants to say to you today? Come on, the goodness of Jesus is in this place. His grace is here. His kindness has come. He wants to bring light to your darkness. He wants to open up your eyes that you might clearly see life and life abundantly. You see, blind spots keep you from vision. And when you don't have a vision, you walk in the dark. And when you walk in the dark, you can't see your life, your future, your relationships, your destiny. And you can't see the goodness of God. So today I believe that Jesus is touching all of us again. Saying, open your eyes. Open your eyes and look to me. The light of the world who has come to remove your darkness and give you light and compassion and grace and anointing to help the people you love walk and freedom. So Jesus, thank you for opening up our eyes. Give us grace and compassion and wisdom as we learn how to make disciples and help people clearly see. May we love them enough to speak the truth and love the way you love us enough to speak the truth and love. Thank you that you haven't left us nor forsaken us with our brokenness. May we have the courage to lean in and not leave nor forsake those in our lives because of their brokenness. Lord, I believe you're doing something. I believe you're bringing light to dark places. Would you turn on the light in Jesus' name? Amen.